Thank you for joining the Relief from Grief podcast by Mrs. Miriam Ribiet and Chevra Lomde Mishnah. Our goal is to help you find the chizik you may need and the comfort of knowing that you are not alone. To sponsor an episode, visit chevralomdemishnah.org forward slash podcast and bring comfort to listeners like you. Hi, everybody. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me here on the Grief Relief Podcast. Today, we have here Rabbi Rubin, who is the Rav of Adas Eish Kodesh, which is in Presswich. I hope I got that right, which is in a section of Manchester, England. Thank you so much, Rabbi Rubin, for coming on. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I hear only good things. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Okay, so I know we were speaking a little bit just before we started this, but I guess if we could go back a little bit and if you could tell us about a little bit who your wife was and what happened, because I know that she was a very hushed, important, beloved person in your community. He was her name. You know, that's what we, everyone called the Rebetzin Chaiki. Chaya Sora, but Rebetzin Chaiki. Born in the United States, raised a bit in Lakewood, but another world of Lakewood. The yeshiva was just starting in Lakewood, basically, uh, in, in, when she was young. I met my wife. She was 15 years old. I was four years older than her. She was a very mature young lady. And she was the daughter of a Holocaust survivor, Shlomo Grzynski. Her mother was the daughter of a, a very hush of a rob from Vilna. People got married very young when we were kids, when we got married. Really? Yeah, yeah. they wanted to rebuild the world. Wow. They were all survivors. And they were, my father-in-law was in his 70s at my wedding. I was the first wedding he saw from the next, you know, from the, oh, wow. from the after the Holocaust. I mean, they were desperate to have nachas. And I met Chaiki twice. We got married. And we grew up together. She was 16 at the chuppah. She was a mother by the end, before she became 17. And we just, you know, we grew up together. And it was such a bond. because You, you don't realize you're living. It's like saying... You know, you're living and you breathe air, and you don't you take it f- for granted that there's air. It's Heike, and that, that was it. Wow, my best friend. She was my best pal. You know, we we did everything. So we we got married in Israel. We came to America. I was the Manal of Bashmu Masifta, and I became the first vice president of the Council of Jewish Organizations of Borough Park. We built. That organization from the ground it was myself, Ayid, his name was Akiva Zilberberg, and Ayid, who was from Satmar, Rav Stein. We built this organization. It was a help organization. And we met, Nike just did things. She got involved. I ended up going to Washington, and we were always jet-setting to different meetings. And, and she was the one. She was doing it. She was pushing me. And, and there were senators, and it was just a different world. And when you when you spoke at her shloshim, I'm not sure. I saw a video. I'm not sure where it was. And you introduced yourself as you know Rebetzin Chaiki's husband. Yeah, well, because as the kids got older, we, we were blessed with two children. 
we had a third child that that died in stillborn, and unfortunately, we had a problem with Rh negative and positive blood. Today, that is no longer a problem. They have an injection that they give to the, each mother as she has a birth, so there, there should be no problem with the blood. In my day, they didn't have that. We were told, you'll never have a child again. My son, who's now the chief rabbi of Scotland, which is the next part of England, uh, part, part of Britain, but the Americans don't know what Scotland is. Scotland is where they make Scotch whiskey. That's all you have to know. But, <laughs> but So he, when he was born, he almost didn't make it. He struggled. They had to give him four transfusions of blood to keep him alive. Oh, and wow. And it was the Ger Rebbe, the basis gave a brocha, and he said it would be all right. But from then on, we couldn't have children. We tried. She lost a child. And, you know, it was just not to be. But she polished to have children. That's why she's such a super great booby, you know, because she just loves babies. <laughs> now, now so this is a girl who at age 20 joined the Heavy Kedisha in Babov, in Borapar. She oh, volunteered. Wow. They came in, they said they need someone to do She volunteered. Wow. And ultimately, when we lived in Israel for a few years, there was no Heavy Kedisha in Tzvat from the Chedi community. They needed someone. They heard about my wife. She did Taharas in Tzvat. Oh, my goodness. And then when she came to England, she, well, I had my own heavy condition. She took care of everything for these things. So this is a woman who just, and elegant, the, the understanding, the, the nuance of how to get, we met with the president of the United States. We met with congressmen. We met with great leaders of America, came to England. Prince Charles at the time, now he's King Charles. Kibitz with Chaiki. <laughs> yeah, I gave a drusha. He made a joke with her. It was unbelievable. Wow. The queen, we met the queen, the queen mother, and she would come with the big, because you had to wear a hat. Women would wait in South Manchester to see what how what she's wearing. These are, these women were high court judges. These were hush of a people. But, oh, the rabbits, wow. She was a, and with such sneers. And she taught over 200 and something scholars in that friar country. She went to, with every one of the, I had a lot of weddings to do. Every caller who had to go to the mikveh after learning Kala with the Rebetzin. And they, they became a whole thing. I went to the mikveh with the Rebetzin Chaiki. And she would sing with them. It was, oh, such a good this was an avoider that she had this heart. So when she came to Manchester, right, after she lost the, the child, so she had a bit of physical problems, so she learned, she went to a dance studio in Manhattan where they taught you dancing, but it was really about stretching and what we call aerobics. Okay. And she got smicha from there to be a teacher. Okay. So she came to Israel for these few years, and she had a class. The women loved her. Came to Manchester, and she was Rebetzin Chaiki, the keep fit teacher. Now, 
she she would be the Rebbitson in, in my shul, in my community. Every day she would get into the car, travel to the f- north, which is where all the from a Hasidish, that's where the population is. And she would have 150 women a month. Just She would do private one-on-one or little groups of five or six women together doing the keep fit. So she was the, the keep fit Rebetzin. Right. So at the Shloishim, you mentioned that we had a meeting, you know, like an assembly, and I spoke. I had to introduce myself. I'm that teacher, that you know that Chaiki? The guy who was her husband. Wow. You know, okay, Rabbi, you know, not her rabbi. Rabbi, keep fit, teacher. She was the one. I'll tell you something, what she did. Let me just show you what kind of a... So we're in Manchester, South Manchester. It's a modern Orthodox, call it what you want. And I was the chaplain to a hospital called Christie's Hospital, which is a cancer center for the whole of the north of England. Specialty is about cancer. And I would visit there, and whenever there was a Jewish patient, I would come over and talk. I could tell you stories, books about what happened there. But Chaiki would also visit on her own time. By the Shiva, I find out this story. There was a woman, and Chaiki came in, and she, not a religious, not a particularly religious woman, a woman from Yid. And she's sitting there in tears. And Chaiki says, What's it? You know, she said, Look at me. I lost all my hair. They gave me this schmata, this little stupid thing to wear. So Chaiki says, One second. She took off her shaitl. She took the shmata and put that on her head. And she put her shaitl on this woman. Wow. And then she straightened it out and fixed it over. She says, you look gorgeous. And she walked away. That was it. I never knew anything about this story. It came out by the shiva. This woman came along and said. She didn't come home and say, I need a new shaitl? <laughs> no, because, you see, that was haiki. <laughs> Kaiki had a little bintalach of guilt because she was a teacher. I didn't touch that money. So she put it in the shaitla. I didn't know what. She had a whole bunch of wigs. What do I know? That's <laughs> funny. <laughs> seen one, you've seen them all, right? What do men know about these things? But let me ask you, I mean, you were married 55 years. You honestly had a tremendously respectful and close relationship. I mean, the way you talk, I could tell that you had tremendous, you know, shalom bias, I think it sounds like it. So, like, and she died within minutes. She's on the telephone talking to my grandson who lives in America. We have grandchildren all over the world. We have in Israel, we have in America, we have here. Okay. She's on the phone. His name is Pinny. So I walk into the room. It was a Sunday. I have to go give a shear. My driver's waiting for me to take me to the the shul to give a shear. She was late fit for the Sunday class. And she's all dressed up because she never left the house, you know, without being fully, she's a leopard. She, she wouldn't let me go out in the summer, the hottest day, in shirt sleeves. She said, you're a rough. You have to wear, okay, that, uh, she's right. So I walk into the bedroom. She's on the phone with Penny. She turns to me and says, I'm, ver- I'm late already. Talk to Penny. Hands me the phone and just dies. Seriously? Not even like, I don't feel good. Talk to Penny and that's it. She's going to go keep fit. The doctors told me there was a, it's one of these, 
catastrophic something or other, blood that went into her brain and just. So is that what? By like, the time she hit the, the the bed, she was gone. So is that what's called like an ashika Hashem? That's. <laughs> I don't give names. To, that's you know. You you tell me. I mean, uh, I'll tell you something even more interesting. Well, this was just before COVID. We missed COVID by two months. If she had to live through COVID, it would have been very difficult because she was doing keep fit running all over the country, town, with her car, with her rubber bands, with the whole... The women came crying during the shiver. She's a keep fit teacher. What are you crying about? What are you talking about? All my chorus, anything that I had, I remember hearing over, you know, she would, and she didn't talk to me about it, but you could, you know, you pick up... She was the, the everything they needed to talk about their problems with their husband, with their kids, with the, this. Who could they talk to? She was a Robinson and she was a keep fit teacher and she was Heike. That's, that's perfect. I went on the plane. We went to, to Israel. I get out of the plane. She's oh, I'm so tired. I said, Oh, really? What? She said, oh, There was a woman sitting next to me. She has so many problems. For six hours, she drove her crazy. All right, I'm just showing you. We had a halacha. It's called date night. Don't tell anybody. Every Thursday night, we would go out together to have a drink, a tea, a coffee, wherever. That was us. Right? Right. And she would catch her breath. I would catch my breath because I was doing my thing. And I remember it was, we always went to the same place. It was a hotel, and they had a nice lounge, and we would sit there. They knew us already. And as I'm coming into the doorway, there's an, in, uh, a doorman from India, uh, a young chap, I don't know, opens the door. Hello, Rabbi. Hello, Mrs. Rubin. Uh, I keep walking, and she gets stuck by the door. She's talking. So for 20 minutes later, she comes up. I said, what was that all about? Oh, the guy, he, he has so much problems with his, with his mother-in-law. And, this, and, you, and automatically, you talk to this woman, she, was, she soaked up people's stillness. Wow. Wow. He's a Jew. He's a human being. I mean, he's a human being. She related to people. The, 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 the people from, from the hotel that we used to go to have drinks, they, they all came to the shiver. The waitresses. Are you serious? I'm not. Because she had that, it was in her eyes. She had, you know. uh, So Hashem took this for me in one shot. (laughs) So, yeah. So we talk about grief. It takes time. You know, the longer, some people say it gets better with time. I don't, I don't particularly prescribe that uh, to that notion. It gets easier in the sharp pain, but in the the background noise of life, it doesn't get easier. It probably gets harder because you might detect that I'm a person who's very outgoing. You know, I talk to people. That's what I do. I mean, that's, what, that's why we got along. We used to talk each other under the table. But when you're alone, even, you're not alone, but you're alone. 
because I'm always a star. I come into a place, uh, Rabbi Ruben, I, took a, I take a lot of oxygen. I know that. And, and she used to kick me under the table more than once. But that was okay <laughs> because she took a lot of oxygen also. But I'm still, lo- I, I feel like the fifth wheel, like the invisible person emotionally. Yes, I'm, I'm an older man, so I'm the love. I'm so close to 80. I'm fine. But, you know, even when the grandchildren, I have, can I know, a large number of great-grandchildren. And when they're playing with their grandparents, my children, I feel this, like, why? Because everything I did, Pesach Seder, and all the set pieces of Jewish life, right? I did the act. She was the, the force. She was the oxygen. Right. So it was, Booby had a bedroom. I didn't have a bedroom. It was Booby's bedroom. All meetings of all grandchildren, girls and boys, but mostly the girls, would take place in Booby's bedroom. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. She taught all the girls their color lessons. Wow. In Booby's room. <laughs> That was our, the sanctuary. They could tell her anything. They could spill the beans on their parents. They could say what they needed to say. Okay? So that oxygen, that, it's not like you lose an arm. You lose an arm, you learn how to use the other arm. This is, this is my, this is, and I'm sure all marriages, you know, look, everyone has their things. And it's a, I can't say that, you know, we didn't rock and roll sometimes because we were both, very, you know, she was very determined. She was a personality. If she said something, I could argue with it, but it ain't going to happen. It's going to happen the way she said it. <laughs> you say what you want, Rabbi, but everyone knew who the boss was, and I didn't mind because she was right. <laughs> so that is an Nassauian. And, you know, sometimes you the PSS, the age Kurdish, the tzaddik, he wrote a book during the Holocaust. Every Shabbos, he would say Torah to whoever he could, you know, who was there in the basements or wherever they were sitting. And after Shabbos, he would write down what he had spoken about. And these pieces of paper were folded up and rolled up, and they were stashed in a big metal milk container, which ultimately was buried in the Warsaw Ghetto. Oh, wow. And in 1950, workmen who were clearing the area for new buildings found this metal container. Wow. And on the top of the uh, the container, it left instructions, if I am no longer alive, please send this contents to my brother. He had a younger brother who went to Israel before the war and lived in Israel. And he, so that was sent to him. And they published a book called Eish Kodesh, Words from the Fire of Kodesh, a holiness in the ghetto. So if you look at his Torahs, especially, you know, 1941, 42, during the real darkest, the darkest, darkest times. And he he asks, he says, you may ask, why is God angry at me? Or 
I can't withstand this, this situation. Why is God doing this to me? And he would, write an, he would write answers. He would explain that this is an Nisoyan, that we are in the Shema that might have been here before for other. This is, and the Hashem chose you to be in this Nisoyan. And even though you may not overcome the test, the fact that you are aware that this is from Hashem and that Hashem loves you and you keep, keep, forging forward, trying to, to persevere, that's winning. The, you have done this in the Mark, we tick the box for you. So it's people such as myself, I, it's four years now, we just had the, yacht, the fourth side. And it's difficult. She was a fabulous person. And, but all mothers are fabulous and all men are that wonderful. We're children of God. And you get in the middle of the night, you think to yourself, I can't do this. Or, well, I, I did everything for others. Why do I deserve this? Because you chose, Hashem chose you for this particular Nisoyan, just because you've done all these things. And, and the love that she gave to the whole world, that will suffice. That will give you the koyach to go further. How does that give you the koyach to go further? Because we were attached to Kaviyuchu the Aibishta, and I accept full heartedly that all the pain, you know, it's all Hashem said. I say to the world, I'm Rabbi Rubin, I'm here to help you. How could I help you if I don't know what your pain could be? I've tasted from that, that the dregs of that wine. And I'm not a tzaddik, but I, I speak from. Kaiki, just now I had the same, Kaiki, if someone lost a child by stillbirth, that's one of those silent miseries that people don't talk about. She would give the chizik, it was unbelievable. One of our chevre, a young lady, just lost a child. And she's had that experience from this from before when Kaiki was still alive. She said, oh yeah, I miss Kaiki. She just enveloped me. Because she knows what the pain is. She knew what it is. And she just smothered me with her love. And this is what life sends horrible problems. I say this often. If you're not broken, what are you doing here? You were sent down to be fixed and to fix. The world has to be fixed, but each of us has a unique job to do that no other person in the world could ever do. That's the Hasidic Shavuim. All the Shavuim talk about this. So if I have a particular job to do to fix, how could I not try to fix? That's what I'm here for. People are broken because they were bo- we were sent down to fix ourselves. Chaiki and I used to work with kids who have le- challenges, learning disabilities, call them what you will. And it's interesting I, I developed, I've, I've written about this, that all of the people, all are in the Shuma, this generation, you'd think is the weakest generation. Look what's going on with all the technology. Hashem chose all the Shumas to be in the midst of all these challenges because he knows, he trusts us that we could do it. Our Nishumas were born when the world was created. You think now you had to send me down? Could we sit next to Rashi? I mean, come on. 
<laughs> no, because Rashi had people. You are the one who can fix this brokenness that's particular to this time and day, this time and this place, that I could talk to you, you're thousands of miles away. That never happened before. And it's only happened because it's the, Hashem needs the final fixing of the world before the Mashiach can come. We will p- create the tipping point. So we can't give in and we, can, we can't stop knowing. We have to be aware and we don't teach this to our kids. And this really bothers me. Like, children have to know how heilig they are, how special. Hashem chose you to live in this world at this time. Do you think the Baal Shem Tev would have been able to live in the world with the, with iPhones? I would imagine that he could have. <laughs> I don't know, but this story was sent to us. We need a strong Nishumas. And, and we have big moistures. Look, I work with special needs. Who ever heard of the tools that we have today for such children? It was unheard of. You would take such a child and lock him up or keep him in the shade, and hope somebody else will take him off your hands when they get married or not get married. It, there was no tools. Right. Now we have magnificent moistures that are living and working just for these kids. This is the first generation that does this. When I started working with such kids, they, the Rebbe told me, no one will send their kid to you because they don't want to admit that there's a problem. So I waited a year till I had 10 kids who offered to come to learn with us. That's when I opened the yeshiva. And Takis, it was never popular for that purpose. But today, well, yeah, ODD, ABC, he's got everyone, got, I'm super, he's in the spectrum. It's okay, we'll talk about it. Oh, Hashem. So where did these all, it's not that all of a sudden everyone's sick. No, Hashem had these Nishumas and Shemayim. He said, I can't send this Nishuma down until I have tools that the people have tools to help these kids. Or else they'll be broken and they won't have any way to get out of the brokenness. So this is the first generation that has tools. And Chaiki lived with this. Uh, kids would go crazy for her. So this so you ask. And now Levin Rubin doesn't have her, his chaiki. It's, I have a picture of her in, with me in, 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 the, in the room. Where, yeah, but thank you, Hashem. And, and I get it. To lose such a thing is, is painful. And it will always be painful. But that's my Nasoyan. I'm also I overweight. What, what? I worry about that also. <laughs> Go ahead. What do we do when it comes to like you know Yantef or some some place where like she was you know the power behind you? How do you handle it? I muffle it up. I try my best. I have a wonderful daughter. We had two children. My son's up in Glasgow. That's about four hour drive, and he has Kanayinahora beautiful children, and, and and they all homeschooled. Every one of them was homeschooled because that. There's no schooling. There's no Jewish schools up in in Scotland. But my daughter takes care of me. She insisted that I stay here with her. I have a house. She wouldn't let me. She wouldn't hear of it. You mean you move in with her? Yeah. Um, Uh, So for a time, I was using my house 
still called a Tchaiki's house, for an office because I see people the whole day and I don't want to cramp my daughter's house life, you know. I mean, she has her own, but she insisted and she takes care of me. You know, this is my house now. And that's only because she and her husband, it's I'm very, I'm blessed with them. Right, right. But again, Hashem knew that this is what, don't forget, before I was born, this was all planned. That's how the world is. So Hashem gave me the gift of such a, a, a son-in-law who moves away from the front of the table to, for his father-in-law to, to live. Wow. That's a big, not, not every almina is zoicha is, is to that. I, I sometimes feel bad. I, I'm taking away the guy's, it's a deep. So I try my best, you know, I, but yeah. And you asked about these set pieces where Psyche was the, every day was her. She would come home from work every day. I was usually back at, at that time. Exhausted. She's been doing cheap physical work a whole day and listening to all the Yentavanyas and all the charbos and, oh, and this. She was the soothsayer. She'd come in and she'd sit down on the steps that lead up to the bedrooms, exhausted. And I knew this what I had to do. I'd have a coffee ready for her, and I'd, I would help her take off her shoes because her feet were by then swollen, for, or the boots, whatever it was. Let me show you. Her parents are buried in Svas, in Israel. And it was always the unmentioned thing that in 120 years, she and I would be buried next to them in Tzvass. Okay. Member of the Tzvass condition. I mean. Right. I was also a member of the Chavik condition, but I'd say about a year and a half before she passed. Out of the, I don't know why. She said, you know, even I decided I, in 120 years, I want to be buried in Manchester near the Rosh Hashiva. We had a connection. I'll tell you that she with the Rosh Hashiva. Okay. So with the Rosh Hashiva. Here, Manchester, what about Sfas? I want to be in Manchester. I said, why? She said, because my girls, meaning all the guys who come for Keep Fitness, if they need me, they can come and talk to me. I know for a fact people go to her to talk. You know, when you're in a dark place, you go to Chaiki and she'll figure it out. She, she's a good man. Wow, unbelievable. That's why she's buried in Manchester. And it so happens, she died, as I said, it was a sudden death. No one thought of me, but I didn't even know what. I called a close friend of mine, who's a Choshev Rov, and he's, it was five in the morning. He said, I'll take care of everything. And it's maybe 100 yards away from the Rosh Hashiva, right next door. Really? And they opened up a new plot for Achelkis Rabbonim, and she was the first put there. And after that, that's the row for the women. And in front, there's a row for the men. And my closest friend passed away, also an American rabbi who lived in England for many, many, many years. His name was Moshe Kupitz. He's buried there. And I bought the plot next to her, so I should be next to Chaiki. Wow. <laughs> but she said this. She told it to me. I want the girls should be able to come to me. That's amazing. So this was this kind of a thing. 
I could go on and on. So it's a daily, kind of like all of a sudden have a, a rush of, oh, I miss her. It's all day. It's there. That's it. I don't, I'm breathing a different air, kind of a, a low, a low standard of air. It's not the same. Right. But it's my Nassoyan. I have no choice. Hashem does not send you something you can't persevere. And if you think you failed, it's not because you failed. It's because you, you, you don't know the reality that God doesn't do that to you. You should know that this is a purpose. And if it's the purpose, maybe just to talk to you and to maybe the, these people who are listening. And everyone's loss is the same to them. And they have to be mechazek themselves. Hashem loves you. It's, it, it's astounding that we don't actualize this in our daily life, how much Hashem loves us. And if if it's difficult, that's in the soil. I have a, a shul that can't find enough funds to finish its building. Yeah, okay. What, what? Hashem is calling us. What would you say to someone, let's say like an almond comes to you that's 30 years old, a young almond, and he'll say... You know, like, look, you could tell you those things, but you were married 55 years. You're much older. You don't have young children. I am 30 years old. Like, like, how does that apply to me also? Well, I, the thing is this. Each case is different. There is no book that I could write. It says a man should not live alone, right? By the way, that's one of the things that I used to bug me a bit. Because uh, every time someone would, you'll get married again. You guys nuts. If Hashem put in your Nesoyan, the Achrayas for children, you must find someone to help you. So my Nesoyan is not your Nesoyan. And my way of handling it is not going to be the way that you should handle yours. What you need is get the front. That means good friends. Someone who can help you, be mechazik you, who understands it, who's not answering because he read it in a book and that's what it sounds It sounds easy to say. You'll get married. Get out of here. What are you talking to me like that for? I'm broken here. You sit in the shiva house, and people say the daftest things. I, 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 the halach is you shouldn't start in our conversation at the Shiva house. Amunna, those sitting Shiva, they have the assignment. They should start the conversation. There's a reason for that because some people blurt out Nagashkite and they don't know what they're saying. But people mean well. And they heard someone else say that. They figured that's what I should be saying. I think we have to learn to think before we speak. I was a very close comment to the Bob of Rebbe Reb Shloimer, and I walked with him to shul every day, and he would say hello to people, and he was giving so much to the world of his own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when he would go to a shiva house, he, he could feel, he felt your pain. That we have to, we have become, in this technological crazy world that we're in, actually we're more isolated than ever. Because you can type things out. Right. And, you know, if it sounds good, it's okay. Right. There's no neshama in it. Though. Right. So what you need to do is allow you to find your own neshama in your pain. That's part of the nesoyan. And then give to other people. If a young person comes along with such a situation, of course he needs help. He, that's, the children can't live, be brought up without a mommy or a tati. I mean, Whatever, 
And what do we do with divorces? That's a disaster in itself, where kids are being thrown from pillar to post. But, but we have tools. We understand what trauma is. When I was a kid, you said the word trauma, you looked it up in a dictionary and no one even knew where it was. Now, right. everyone, if you haven't been traumatized, you just didn't, haven't existed yet. Right. <laughs> but that's okay. It's okay. There was a time when people didn't know what a train looked like. <laughs> now we know what a train looks like. Each generation has its chemistry. So you have to allow yourself to, people are frightened to be feeling. Yeah, I have one or two people I could open up to. And, and, and I feel I don't like doing it because they don't understand it entirely. Right. And, and I don't vinch the moon. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes you need to get the smoke out of your head. But again, I try to write a bit about this. I'm trying now to put together all the articles I wrote about Heike from the time she passed till now. And I mean, I was just a few weeks ago, we were talking about, you know, Simcha or something. And I wrote about it, you know, feel the loss because she would be looking at me, you know, like. Yeah, that that language that couples have about okay, don't have that now. Right, right. You know, you don't have that. <laughs> I was in Israel the first time I went away. It was only three, four months ago. I went to Israel with my son for a weekend. It was just me. He had. He said, "You got to get out. You have to do it." We didn't leave Yushalayim. It was only there for a Shabbos. Okay. And as I'm walking the street, and I wrote about this, you're eating in a, in a hotel, and there's all kinds of tables, and, and look at that one, and look at that. I had no commentary going on in my ear. <laughs> you know? Right. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Wonder where they come from. It's the tapestry that brings color to your life. Wow. So you struggle. The kids never going to understand it. Please, God, they should never have to. And it's not their fault. Each of us is different. But I've been blessed in so many different ways. I have a great-granddaughter who's 18. I mean, who ever thought? In my day, people didn't have grandparents. Right, right. Yeah. Now every young schnook is a grandparent, you know? I know. It's really true. Most of young people are great-grandparents. It's amazing to see. Can I know? know, It's a chashe bazaar. Yeah, yeah. So there okay. we are. I mean, obviously, she's like amazing. And I know that you could go on forever talking about her and I could go on forever listening. <laughs> but I guess before we end, is there any like real, I mean, there was a number of messages that you gave over, but I guess any parting message that we should really leave off with. Only that God loves you. And whatever life throws at you is tailor-made for the tikkun that you were born for. Don't lose strength. Don't lose sight of this vital connection that you have with Kavi Yuchada Especially now with what's going on in Eretz Israel, I dread thinking about what the future looks like. You know, with all the anti-Semitism and all the murmuring. It's all coming back again. And I could talk about that, you know, forever, and you don't have the time for that. But... Just hold on to Hashem. Try to be mindful. Daven a bit. You know You know what? Daven in your own way to God. 
Don't worry about what the halacha, that will sort itself out. Just talk to the Irish a little bit. You know, just even if it's only in your own head, Shem hears you even when you don't say it. He does? He hears your thoughts? I sense so. I can't, look, I won't put my finger on any. Yeah. Hashem knows Yudea Machshubas. No, that's what we say. He knows the Machshubas. I know. He knows them, but it's like considered like davening, like when you just think. I wouldn't. Them. You see, you see, now you get nitty pitty. If I, people come with shilas. You have to look at the person. See what's going on. Where did this shila come from? If I have a guy who barely could read, but he's broken. He, I'm, he said, Rebbe, I go out in the forest and I talk to Hashem in my mind. I talk to him. I'm sorry, I'm not going to d- dissuade him from that. Right, right. All right, I'm going to let him talk. I'll let Hashem worry, but, you know, I'm not the husband. I'm not going to be sitting up there in 120 years making husband. I once had someone came running over to me, Rebbe, Rebbe, Shiloh, in the middle of the street on Chabbos, and I could see the guy was like, I, I was mad to something that not every rabbi might have done. So I walked with a couple of people. So I turned to one and I said, listen, I didn't pass in that for you. I passed in for this guy because I could right. see it. <laughs> However, if I get up to 120 years and that's all they got on me, that I gave this guy a head to, uh, thanks a lot. <laughs> I'll be very happy. <laughs> if that's where I'm going to burn for that, I call a come on, Ruben. <laughs> okay. Thank you so, so much. All right. Thank you for doing what you're doing and getting it out there. You have just listened to an episode by Mrs. Miriam Ribiette. For more episodes or for additional information about future episodes, visit our website at www.chevralomdemishnah.org or email mribiet at chevralomdemishnah.org. To submit questions or comments for this speaker, to suggest another speaker who might be mechazek others, or to sponsor a podcast, visit chevralomdemishnah.org forward slash podcast.